we exist to come alongside people who are hurting, who are broken, who are messed up, to come alongside them and give them love and to give them grace and to give them encouragement until they can rise above it and walk on that path on their own. We are Pathway Church, located in Burleson, Texas. We worship together, we serve together, and we grow together. Morning, everybody. So glad that you are here. Now, I just got to say real quickly, this is true. I got to speak what is true. There's something wrong about Jeremy Hall wearing a St. Louis Cardinals jersey right in the shadow of the Texas Rangers. Can I just get an amen on that? It takes guts, buddy. I'm just saying, it takes guts to wear that Cardinal jersey here. Hey, it took a lot of guts for some of you even to get up and come to church this morning. I know there's some folks that are here you're watching online. There's some folks in the hospital that you're, you're watching. So much going on in your life. We have some folks down there at True Worth. Uh, you just walked off the street. Uh, you walked off the street. You came into that facility. to took old guts to take that step. And I know there are some that are here that have not been in church for a long time. Or maybe because of COVID. You've been out of, lot, out of pocket for a long time. And it really took something, a step for you to be here. Uh, we're glad that you're here. Uh, we just want to say we're really glad that you're here, and we hope you experience God's presence here this morning as we assemble uh, to worship God. If you have your Bibles and you want to turn them over to the, gospel, to the book of Luke, you can do that. We're going to be in Luke chapter 2 briefly. We're going to put all these passages on the screen. We're going to do that. Then we're going to go over to Matthew chapter 9 and hang out for a while. And we are beginning a series this morning. So if you're brand new, we'd love to meet you. But you came at a great time. Whether you're online watching for the first time or you're in the house, we're beginning a new series we're calling One More. And what we're doing is we're beginning a 50-day journey to a date we're going to call November 6th and 7th. Everybody say that with me, November 6th and 7th. Ready? November 6th and 7th. On November 6th and 7th, we are going to have our last worship service in this thing that we call the ark. It's been a temporary worship place for 17, 18 years. And we're finally going to move out of this place, and we're going to turn it over back over to our students for its original purpose and intention. Uh, we're going to use it for recreation for adults. We're going to use it to reach out to our community. So on November 6th and 7th, the last worship time in here, and then that afternoon, we're going to go over into our new space. You see kind of back behind me, 1,001 seats, emphasis on the one, and we're going to dedicate that new worship space. We're going to call it the center to the glory of God, uh, to the ministering to so many people before, for the future. But we are also going to be celebrating the 50th anniversary of Pathway Church on that very day. And we are going to have a party of parties. And so we are hoping you will put November 6th and 7th. What day? What day? With focus on the 7th, okay? With focus on the 7th. Because on Sunday morning, we'll come for worship here. We'll do our thing. We'll have our last time. Then that afternoon... We'll come over here, over the new space. We're going to have tours throughout the building. We're going to have historical markers throughout the building for you to go and see. A little QR code. You can flash. It's going to tell you some history about the church and how we evolved over time and what God has done. But also, look in the new space, and we're going to, you're going to see the tech. It's just going to be an amazing, amazing time. So we hope that you will be a part of that. And I would be remiss if I didn't say thank you. We would not be at this epic life-defining juncture where our past and our future collide uh, without your faithfulness. And I just got to say thank you for your generosity. 
Uh, thank you for many for your commitment, for your long-time commitment. Thank you for some who just started and you're going, you're so excited you can't stand it. Uh, you're ready to begin this journey. Uh, thank you to those who just love God and just love your church. I mean, you just really love your church. Your church has been there for you. And you said, you know what, I'm going to be there for my church. And thank you. And I want you to know the best is yet to come. We're just not talking about 50 years to give thanks to God for what he's done. We're excited about what he's about to do. And we're about building the future for the next generation. And the reason we are doing that, because this church understands something. I want to reinforce this something this morning in our message. This church understands something that a lot of churches don't, and we never want to forget it. First thing in your message notes, if you're taking notes this morning, the church exists for the sake of people who are not yet on the inside. That's why we exist. That was God's plan from the very beginning. That's God's same plan today. That God wants every human being on the face of planet Earth to experience God's shalom. To experience God's wholeness. To experience God's salvation. That what God is doing in heaven would come into every single person on this earth, into every marriage, into every child, into every family, into every house, into every business, that the kingdom of God, what he's doing there, would come into here. And he wants the church to help make that happen. And it's very fascinating. That's, that kind of is what happens. That's how Jesus gets started. Jesus shows up on this earth, and people, and you start reading about Jesus. They just want to be around him. The Bible says that Jesus was the closest person to God. In fact, Jesus himself said, I and the Father are one. That's what he said. Me and the, dad, me and the Father, we're just one. And what's so fascinating, the people that were farthest from God, they wanted to be close to Jesus. People who were so ungodly, <laughs> living lives that were just totally, just totally, that you and I would look at and go, man, they just love to be around Jesus. And so that's what he did with his life. And then the church comes into existence. The church is born. And over here in Acts chapter 2, 47, we have this one little verse. We'll put it on the screen. And it says, And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved through this thing called the church. Very interesting. I can imagine some of those people saying, You know what? Those church people are weird. Those church people do some weird stuff. But I sure am glad they're here because they're so different from the rest of the world. I, I can't explain it. And over time, one more, one more, one more, one by one, one more, one more dad, one more mom, one more kid, one more teenager, one more person that was an addict, one more person who had been in prison. One more person overcome by depression got connected to this man named Jesus, get connected to this thing called the church, and all of a sudden it changes the whole direction of their family tree and in their life. The church is an amazing concept that God created. And so in this series, I want to remind us, as we start off this one more thing, we're going to learn, be reminded about who we are and who God has called us to be. And this is not in your notes, but this kind of, kind of reduces it down to this, these words. 
people matter to God? Which people matter to God? All people matter to God. How much do they matter to God? More than you can imagine. And if all people matter to God, what people matter to us? All people matter to us. How much? So much more than you can imagine. Jesus, this is his teaching. All people matter to God. He shows up to teach. All people matter. And he has to work really hard to teach it. And he has to work really hard because there's a problem in the human race. And it's so infected the human race that we, we don't get it. This is the reason why we have this whole discipline of sociology because of this problem. In your notes, number two, the global problem. Human beings by nature are tribal creatures who divide the human race into us and them. Now, being a tribal creature is not a bad thing. God made you and me to be tribal. But when the fall happens in Genesis chapter 3, when sin enters the world and sin enters our life, we as human beings start dividing up each other into us and them. And we think that people are like us. How interesting variety and people that are like them are all the same. We tend to think that people like us, that that's where we get our self-esteem. That's where we get our self-image. And so we, favor, we tend to favor people who are like us instead of people that are like them. And we do this in so many different ways. And this is what the sociologists have to say about this. Could you put this up here from the sociologists? Could you put this up there? Here's what they say. Each group, talking about you and me, nourishes its own pride, its own vanity. It boasts itself superior. It exists in its own divinities and looks with contempt on outsiders, us and them. And we all do this. We all carry around these categories of us and them. We do it primarily in the United States of America. We hear it all the time. We do it with our politics. There's my side and there's your side. There's the right side and the wrong side. We do it with age. Age divides us up into us and them. We do that with our age, right? And the older people get, they kind of go, you know what? Those young people, uh, there's them and then there's us. There's us and them. And we all tend to say this, you know, people of my tribe like a certain kind of music, and they just don't get it. Us and them. You know, my tribe, we have different cultural memories. We like different things, and they just don't get it. Around technology, this is a big divider between uh, older generations. Older generations, they say, you know what? It's not just that I don't get TikTok. It's not just that I don't know how to TikTok. But the fact that I don't nothing about TikTok creates a barrier between them and us. We're divided. My phone keeps getting smarter. I keep getting dumber. <laughs> they know everything about it. We know nothing. Church, we do this in so many different areas of our life. 
One of the reasons I believe in the United States of America the past three to six years that we've had so much angst is because around the area of politics and race, we divide ourselves up into us and them. And look at all the suffering, all the pain, all the anger, all the stuff that's happened because we divide up into us and them. But we do it with our gender. We do it by generations. We do it based on wealth, based on money. We do it based on education. And we even do it in the church, us and them. So, so let me ask you something on, on this weekend, Path- Pathway Church. Can I ask you whether you're in the house, you're at Tree Worth, you're over in the sanctuary, you're online, wherever you are in your home, you're in the hospital, you're traveling, uh, you stopped on your vacation, wherever you are. Let me just ask you a question. According to God, who does God think is them and who does God think is us? Which music does God like more than anybody else's? What skin color does God prefer over the other? What language does God here prefer spoken over another? When it comes to God, who's us and who's them? Which people really matter to God? All people. How much? More than you can imagine. The cross tells us how much all people matter. And Jesus is going to teach this lesson to the world, even if it kills him. And it kills him. Throughout the teachings of Jesus, this problem is so endemic of us and them, how we divide people up into our world, that he just, he just hammers it and hammers it and hammers it. I, I want to read a little story here. We're going to walk through in Matthew chapter 9 that kind of outlines here a perfect example of what happens in the world and what Jesus experienced. Look at Matthew chapter 9, verse 9. We're going to walk through this passage. It says, very first verse, as Jesus went on from there, he's walking, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Now, you need to understand this, that a tax collector was about as much as us and them as you could get with a rabbi. Okay? They, they, they were the lowest of the lows on the totem pole. In the ancient world, it would be a joke. A, a rabbi and a tax collector walked into a bar. That's kind of what this is like. According to the people in the ancient world, the tax collectors were the most amoral people on the face of the earth. They got their job by going to the Roman government and bidding over this region. Hey, this is how much money we will collect from this group of people. And whoever promised the highest collection, they got that territory. That was their job. And then they would go about cheating, stealing, whatever it took to get from those folks to make Rome happy, to make Caesar happy, and put as much money as they could in their pockets. Lowest of the lows. Now, if you've been reading your Bible 10 to 15 minutes every day, and I know many of you have. In fact, I know every one of you have, right? Every single day. You probably discover something. In the Bible, there's this little phrase that repeats often, and it's called tax collectors and sinners. 
You'll say, Jesus ate with tax collectors and sinners. Then you have to stop, huh? Now, if a tax collector is a sinner, why does it just say sinners? Why does it say tax collectors and sinners? Well, I'll tell you why. Because tax collectors were so despised, even the sinners would be offended if they were included in their category. (laughs) They said, man, them, they're, they're not one of us. They're one of them. You see, we all tend to do this. We all have this hierarchy of people in our life that we consider them and us, people that are worse than us. We, we do this. You know, you might say, well, no, I might be an adulterer or I might, I'm, I might be a murderer or I might be a mooch or I might be a thief, but at least I'm not one of them. At least I'm not, at least I'm not the lowest on the totem pole. And if you were a tax collector, you were at the lowest, lowest, lowest on the moral totem pole in that society. If you don't get that point, you miss the whole story. So Jesus comes along this tax collector in this tax collector's booth. And his disciples, by now he has some disciples. And three of them we know are fishermen, Peter, James, and John. And fishermen were not high on the totem pole. Fishermen were just kind of right above tax collector and the moral totem pole of that world, okay? And so the disciples, they're kind of, they, they know what Jesus is going to say. They're going to say, yeah, you see, this, you see this tax collector? You want to stay away from this guy. You don't, this is what happens when you stray away from God. This is the worst of the worst. Stay away from these guys. But Jesus didn't say that. He does something just the opposite. He says right here, the middle of verse 9, chapter 9, the next sentence, he says, follow me. Hey, Matthew, you lowest of the low and low on the moral totem pole. I want to be in a relationship with you. I'd like to get to know you. I care about you. I care about your life. I think you and I could be friends. You're the kind of guy I could hang out with and just... Go shoot pool with. Come on, let's go hang out. And uh, you and I could, you and I could shake things up. I think, I think you and I could change the world. Blew the mind of the disciples. Just totally opposite of what they thought. Blew Matthew's mind too. You got to understand. He had never, ever, ever, ever been invited to follow a rabbi. Ever. He's going talking to me? Are you talking to me? It'd be kind of like going into a prison and saying, hey, listen, go, go, find any, go find any prison inmate you want and say, listen, we're going to make you the governor. Now, in the United States of America, we have governors who go to prison. We don't have prisoners who go to governor. If you don't get this part of the story, again, I'm going to tell you the scandalous part of the story, you're missing the whole truth of what Jesus is trying to teach in this story. And so the disciples, they just know, they can't believe what he, what he said, but they know how he's going to answer. They know exactly what Matthew's going to say. Because anybody who chooses to go into the Roman loving, Israel cheating, make as much money as you can business, I don't care what you have to do to get it, They're never going to walk away from a tax collector's booth to go into the rabbi-following business. So, boy, were they shocked. Follow me, 
Jesus told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. The Bible doesn't say he said anything. He just got up, walked away from his past. He walked away from the shame, walked away from the guilt. He walked away from that identity. He walked away from his job into a new future, into a new hope, into a new reality for his life. And the disciples were aghast. They just knew he was going to laugh in Jesus' face. At the very most, he was going to say, Jesus, I need to audit how much money you've taken in the last week because i got to check on your taxes. But he didn't say any of that. He just says, man, let's go. Now, church, that by itself is a pretty good story. But the story doesn't end there. It gets even more weird. Matthew is now connected to Jesus. Matthew now knows that Jesus loves him. He's connected to God. Changed his whole life. And all of a sudden he says, you know what? I got an idea. Oh, I got an idea. I got this house. I got this big old nice house with all this money I've cheated other people from. I got this big old great gigantic house. And I got all these friends that are so far from God, these tax collectors, sinner friends way down on the bottom. What about if I threw a party? I took my money that I had cheated others from, and I had a party, and I bought all the food. I paid for all the party stuff. I mean, I got all the drink. I got it all. And I invited my friends. And what if I invited Jesus? And what if I just let them hang out around Jesus? I know they would never probably want to go to the temple. I know they think those church folks, they haven't been to the temple or church in a long time. And they don't even like those folks in that scene. But I think they would like Jesus. I really think they would like Jesus. And I think Jesus would like them because Jesus liked me. And he cared for me. And if he just hung around them, if I could just connect them to Jesus... What a great idea. So I got to go tell the disciples. He goes to the disciples. Hey, listen, I got this idea. I got an incredible idea. And he tells them the idea. And they go, terrible idea. You want to invite all of your center tax collector friends to your Playboy mansion? That big old thing you built with all the money you stolen and taken from everybody else? And you want to invite Jesus to that thing? Listen, that will be a public relations nightmare. No. I go, oh. I thought it was a good idea. He can't shake it. He can't get rid of it. He said, Jesus, hey, Jesus, I've already talked to the disciples about this. And they said, no, but I, but I can't get rid of it. I just, I just got this idea. He said, I got this idea. If I threw a party at my house and I invited all my, my low center tax on the bottom of the totem pole friends, and you show, are you inviting me to a party at your house? Yeah, I am. He said, I'm in. Count I'm in. Really? Yeah, I would love to meet your friends. Verse 10, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. Wouldn't you like to know what the conversation was at that dinner party? Wouldn't you like to know what they talked about? I I think I know one thing that happened, one thing that said at, at, at every conversation. And it's because I'm in this business called pastor ministry work. It's my job. I know kind of what happened. I had this one statement. It's, it's said around me all the time. Uh, this summer, on, on my summer break, one of the things I did, I took a gymnastics course, a CrossFit gymnastics course. 
And not only was I the only 60-year-old-plus person there, I was the only pastor there. In fact, I was think I'm the only person that been to church except for a wedding or funeral kind of person there. And I knew it by the language. I knew it by the way they did stuff and handled stuff. And I could tell just by the way their mannerisms were. And when they found out that I was a pastor, when they would fall and they would go, oh, blankety blanket, they look at me and go, oops, sorry, Father. <laughs> you know, when they found out, they kind of slipped the little word, oh, excuse, excuse, sorry, excuse, excuse me, sorry, Reverend. Oops, sorry, kind of didn't mean to say that. I was at Costco, uh, and, and a guy who came here for the very first time, been in church, never, really never been in church, and he and I crossed paths. He said, pa- pa- Pastor Roller, man, I got to tell you, that was one hell of a message last Sunday. It was, oh, oops, sorry, Rick. <laughs> oops, sorry. I'm I'm telling you, there's no telling how many times they're sitting there at the table and they're talking among each other how they stole that from that guy and had a little scheme to get that tax money out of them. They go, oh, sorry. (laughs) Oops, sorry, didn't mean that. I can just picture that. And Jesus loves it. He doesn't raise his finger and start pointing in their face. He doesn't give them a lecture. He doesn't point out how terrible human beings they are. He's just loving being with them. Isn't it interesting how you and I look at people and we think we see their heart and we judge them and we accuse them and God looks at them and sees something totally different. He sees somebody that's just longing for something different. They're longing for something new. They have a capacity to love that is blown away. And we sometimes, the longer you're in the church, you don't get hungry for God. And your capacity to love others gets smaller and smaller and smaller. I got to tell you something that happens in this story. It's going to ding you a little bit. I'm going to tell you the truth. It's going to ding you. It dings me when I, when I get, get to it. Is that in that culture, when they had a party, it didn't happen inside. Today, if you go to the Middle East, you go to Israel, you go in that area, and they're going to have a party, it will be outside in the courtyard. And there will be a big old wall. And there will be people over the wall watching the party. There were Pharisees looking at the party, going, what's he doing? Who's he thinking? Hey, we are in the inside. We We are the good people. We are the church people. What's he hanging out with them for? And really, I think this is what Jesus is saying. I want you to know something about my father. My father did not send me to connect with people who think they're connected to him. He did not send me to people who say, I'm already connected to them. In your notes, Jesus came. Number three, that, final, that, that third thing I want to tell you. He came to make sure that everybody not connected to God is connected to God. Jesus came for everybody. He longs and aches for people 
who were not connected to him. And this is throughout the scriptures. There's a, he tells this story. We hear it again over here in Luke chapter 15. In Luke chapter 15, this is one of the most famous stories that are in the Bible that makes this point. It says, verse 1, now the tax collectors and the sinners, there that is. This is throughout the scripture, tax collectors and sinners. They were all gathering around to hear Jesus. Jesus is a sinner magnet. But the Pharisees and the teacher of the law muttered, you got to be kidding me. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Who's welcome to Jesus' party? Everybody. Who do the Pharisees invite? Other Pharisees. Who do Pharisees eat dinner with? Other Pharisees. Who do Pharisees have coffee with? Other Pharisees. Who do Pharisees go watch football games with? They go with other Pharisees. Who do they invite to church with them? Other Pharisees. Church, it's so important that we, the church, get this. That we understand the mission and who we are and who God has called us to be. Do not slip up and just slide over into that other little Pharisee category and miss the message of Jesus and the calling of the church. And to make the point, says they're not getting it. Jesus tells them about these three little stories. He says, you know, here's what the, king, here's what the church is like. The kingdom of God is like. It's like this, this man who had this shepherd, had a hundred sheep. And he lost one of them. He lost one. And he walks away from the all. And he sends out a, amber, a sheep amber alert. It goes off on every phone in the whole world. He had everybody looking for that sheep until he found it. Then he said another story. It's a woman, she had, she had ten coins. It's her dowry, her wedding dowry. And she goes crazy. You ever seen a woman go crazy because she can't find something? I mean, she's obsessed. She can't, she goes crazy. And she's not going to stop until she's obsessed, until she finds it. Then there's this man, he's under the story, who has two sons. And one son wanders off. And his heart is so broken. He said, I'm not doing anything till I find that kid. Anybody here ever lost, been somewhere and lost a kid? We have. Many, 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 many years ago, Dallas and I have three sons. Well, we still have three sons. But many, many, many years ago when our sons were small and Dallas was gone on a women's church retreat, I had to take all three of them for a birthday party to Chuck E. Cheese. The only people that go to Chuck E. Cheese are tax collectors and sinners. I'm telling you. <laughs> Nobody else should go there. It's the lowest. I'm sorry. If you work there, I'm sorry. So anyway, we're there. We're at Chuck E. Cheese. And one moment, one moment, all three of the boys were there. And then one moment later, Jacob is gone. Of course it'd be Jacob, the one who could talk to a wall and make them feel welcome. He's just gone. I can't find him anywhere. And I'm going, oh, my gosh, where's Jacob? I can't find Jacob. And so I, I'm diving in those little balls. You know those balls? I'm just throwing all the balls out there. I'm looking for Jacob. I'm looking under every table. I went into every restaurant. I went into the women's restroom. They screamed and said, I don't care, lady. I'm looking for my kid. i got to find him. I'm not leaving until I find my kid. I mean, I was just besides myself. Anybody ever had that experience where you felt like you'd lost one of your kids? I just could not believe it. And I looked everywhere, you know. And I had two that were right there. Two that were right there. They were right there with me then because I was looking for the other one. And just, just imagine if I would have gone home. And Dallas would have showed up from the retreat, and she would have said, where, where's Jacob? I said, hey, let's don't worry about him. Let's just be, celebrate the two we got. <laughs> what are you worried? Let's just celebrate. We got, we got two of them. <laughs> I 
Man, I was such a panic. I didn't know where the other two were. I went and found him and said, you're going to help the search team. you got to go help me find your brother. And James was two. He said, Dad, I'm only two. Don't make excuses for me. <laughs> your brother's lost. Here's what I want to make sure you understand what Jesus is teaching. In your notes, in the kingdom of God, there are really only two kind of teams. The searchers and the searchees. And the Pharisees thought there was a third team. The spectators. The critics, the people who point the fingers at everybody for what they are doing wrong. And Jesus says, there's only two people in my church. There are people that are connected to God. And they're so connected to God, they will do anything to find the one who is not connected. Anything. Church, this is so important. Jesus models it in his own life that everybody's welcome. Go study the scriptures. See who Jesus welcomes. Adulterers. Prostitutes. Liars. Cheats. Pharisees. Listen. It's not that the coin, the one coin, the the nine coins, and the other brother and the other hundred, the other 99 sheep didn't matter to God. They mattered to God. It's just that when something is lost, even a thief on the cross at the very last second of his breath, he said, you're welcome with me in paradise. So let me ask you, very practically, who's welcome here at Pathway Church? Everybody. I want to make this very clear and get some description because some of you say everybody until you hear the categories. So let's break it down. Believers and unbelievers, skeptics and mockers, Republicans and Democrats, young people and old people, people in suits, people in jeans, people in shorts, people with wrinkled skin, people with tattooed skin, people with old tattooed wrinkled skin, (laughs) people of every skin color, people of every language, responsible people, shady people, addicted people, messed up people, gay people, straight people, trans people, Buddhist, Muslim, Hindu, Jew, humanist, I don't know what I am people, married people, single people, never wanted to be married again people, welcome to the party of Matthew. You're welcome here. This is God's place and you're welcome. Pathway Church is not perfect. It's far from it. But we're celebrating 50 years of standing on the shoulders of a bunch of people who felt like God had placed within their heart, we want to build a church for people that are on the outside, not for the people that are on the inside. We're standing on the shoulders of six families who 50 years ago had this vision of a church in Burleson for the people that were on the outside. That little church grew incredibly. It started off that very first gathering on 50 years ago, November the 7th, with 75 people gathered for worship. 15 years later, the growth was so incredible, they had 50 people there. I'll let that sink in. 75 to 50. The doors almost had to close, but they wouldn't give up. 
because God had given them a mission. They started to open the doors wider to people from all over the community. This group, the Scots, those kids, that group, those teens, that group, just opened the doors and people started coming like crazy. When we said, everybody's welcome, everybody started coming. It was amazing. More people started coming, more resources, more buildings, more, more, more. And then we decided that the name we had back then, St. Matthew, Cumberland, Presbyterian Church, it sounded good for the people on the inside. But the people on the outside, it meant nothing. So we went through a process of changing the name, not changing who we are to pathway. And in that whole way, we talked about we are a church of pioneers creating pathways, creating paths as many as we can for people to get connected to God. And here's what a spiritual pioneer is in your notes. And we're about there. Somebody who is not satisfied with the way things are and are willing to sacrifice and risk for the sake of making it better. That's who we are. That's our DNA. We are spiritual path. We are spiritual pioneers making these sort of pathways, giving up what I love, giving up what I like, so somebody who is far from God can get connected to God. That's who we are. Hebrews 12:2. We will fix our eyes on Jesus. We will never stop looking at Jesus, our example, our Savior, our Lord, our teacher the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. That's how much everybody matters to God, scorning its shame. And he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Church, that is who we are. This church has done some amazing things over the years. We have four worship services. At one time, we had five. We have a service right now watching down there at True Worth at the bridge downtown Fort Worth. We have people all over the United States right now at 930 that worship us in their homes. The little clusters of people all over from their homes join us in that way. Little mini churches all over the United States of America. We have an incredible church staff. People that you have never met. Fabulous people, talented people who work in the money to make sure the money is right. To take care of this space, financial stewardship. Who get this building ready and clean. It's amazing the administrative staff we have that you never see, just how strong and solid they are. We have incredible teams of people who walk down the hallway with our students and our kids, people that you may never see and never even know they do what they do. We have incredible outreach all across the United States of America and even into the foreign countries. This church, you have amazing people who help do care ministry for people provide funerals and services to people who visit the hospitals, the people that are in need. I could go on and on and on and on and on about all these things. But you know what we need? We have all this. You know what we need? We need a bunch of Matthews. We need a bunch of sinful, broken, selfish people who've encountered Jesus who will invite their sinful, broken, empty friends, invite them to meet Jesus and see Jesus turn into a party. That's what we need. And you're saying, Pastor, I don't have any sinful little friends. Then I'm going to ask you to check your heart. 
If you're not going to a restaurant, you're not going to the dry cleaners, you're not going to ball games, you're not going to work, you're not going to school, and you don't have the heart to recognize the people that are hurting, to recognize the people that are broken, to recognize the people that just moved in, to recognize the people that have the deer in the headlights look about, I cannot believe this life, this thing has happened to me, then I'm saying that you need to ask God to change my heart and help me to see them the way you see them because they're everywhere. Maybe you stop becoming one of these searchers and you just become a spectator pathway church I'm asking you I'm asking you to be like Matthew to notice the people around you out there in the world that you are in but also on this campus that every person who pulls into the parking lot who walks through the crossing who sits in the chair next to you behind you, in front of you they know they're welcome that you have a big old everybody's welcome look on your face it's just plastered right here you walk into a coffee shop people just see it you walk into school, they just see it. You just walk into the job, they just see it. They walk into your church, they just see it. One more, one more, and one more connected to God. Who all is welcome here? Everybody. Would you please stand? Thank you for joining us. If you would like more information on Pathway or to get connected to a ministry, visit our website at pathway.church. We look forward to growing with you as we worship together. God loves you. God is with you.